welcome to this week's episode of Off the Shelf. This week, my guest is Naomi George. I am so excited to have Naomi on. If you haven't heard of her yet, you soon will. Naomi won the Grazia and Women's Prize for Fiction first chapter competition. For those of you that don't know, an author starts the story. In this case, it was Dorothy Coombson who started When I Fell. And Dorothy, as a side note, also has a great podcast for budding authors called The Happy Author, which you should listen to. And Naomi finished Dorothy's story and Naomi won. Uh, so that's why you should know Naomi. Her writing is great. I've read it. I really recommend you go and read it. Naomi is a freelance marketeer and she finished a creative writing degree in her you know, previous life. So here to tell us more about her life and her work is Naomi. Hi, Naomi. How are you? Hi, uh, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. You're um, very I've been listening to your podcast quite a lot recently. So it's really well, nice to kind of be be here <laughs> I'm so pleased as soon as I saw your prize winning entry on Grazia I was like, I've got a got a Instagram stalk her immediately and have her on so tell us a bit more about that so congratulations you won obviously and as part mm-hmm. of that you get to be mentored by an author and mm-hmm. as long-time listeners will know my day job is legal so I'll understand if you have an NDA and you can't really talk about it but are you working on something now I am it's it's all very very early days um but I am working on a novel um it's it's really it's really kind of I I can't say too much but it's not it's not a legal issue I just feel like I I'm kind of protective at at this moment because things might change um but the kind of the crux of it is that it's about immigration and kind of the black British experience and um some other things and yeah so that's the kind of crux of it and are they issues that are important to you personally have they touched your family what made you settle on that those themes for your novel or your work um yeah definitely so my my kind of heritage is is the Caribbean um and like I obviously I, I grew up knowing certain things but I feel like the last couple of years you know with 2020 and all that there's been a huge um deeper focus and a deeper kind of understanding of some of the things that happened in the past and I've just kind of discovered this treasure trove of of stuff that happened and I didn't know and I should have known and I feel like I want to help get that out there a bit more so my kind of my idea is is to talk about those those things that we should know but in it all kind of wrapped up into a fictional story so it's kind of yeah no that sounds great and you're being um mentored by the lovely Dorothy Kimson who I've touched on also has a has a podcast of her own which I also listen to and if uh if Dorothy's listening to this if you want to come on you know dm me my dms are always open (laughs) Um, but she seems like such a nice lady whenever I hear her speak. I mean, do you guys just, I imagine you just get a cup of tea and just natter away for hours. She is incredible. So she actually lives in Brighton. I live in London. So we haven't met in physical life yet. Um, hopefully we'll one day, but we, we do Zooms like this. And she's so kind of uh, gracious with her time and knowledge, um, sharing kind of. So I, I'm really new to this and I've got a lot of fears as a result of that and she just kind of helps me kind of she's just like tough love um which is what I need but she yeah. she's she's warm with it as well um and she kind of you know she's been through it all so she can she just she's like a great guiding hand through that and she she just she's writes great stuff as well so yeah it's, I'm so lucky to have her kind of in my corner at the moment and another thing as well like I think with the mentoring thing some people get men- like with this competition some people get mentored maybe like once every quarter or something but she's she was happy like she she agreed to do it once a month so I feel like I've got a lot of access to her which is just like I'm so grateful for her kind of giving me her time so yeah 
it's amazing yeah yeah that sounds really nice of her and like you touched on you're working on something in particular with her uh, but you said you also did creative writing qualification previously between kind of then and now have you wrote have you written sorry uh a lot a little is it something you stopped doing and then came back to it or have you always written alongside the rest of your life it's a weird one so when I was a kid I used to write what well, so I'm, I'm an only child so I feel like I kind of had a lot of time to myself so I used to read and write like all of the time and I remember I used to um really geekily used to write um stories and then my teacher would I'd give it to my teacher to mark which is just oh so cringy but kind of I feel like it was all, always in me um, from, from a young age but then like you said I did a degree in well half my degree was in creative writing um, and something happened I don't know what I literally don't know what I just feel like there's some sort of weird trauma that I've maybe removed from my head but something happened where it made it like like a, a real anxiety point to write anymore so I, I did stop for quite a long time um, but I was constantly thinking of stories like I've always got things in my mind I'm always like if I walk past someone and I hear a conversation I'm like oh what's that I can make this story out of that or whatever it's always in my mind um, but then after again 2020 and having kind of a bit more time and a bit more space to think and a bit more of a kind of I guess feeling like I needed to fulfill a purpose mm. um, after that I, I just was like okay I am scared I do feel anxious but like otherwise what I feel like this is what I'm put on earth or kind of which sounds really lofty but I just feel like this is what I always think of so just get over your fear and yourself and just write and like do it it's hard it's so hard but I also love it so yeah no I think it is hard and I think I mean so long-term listeners will know that I set this up um in 2020 as well because I also had a lot of lot of time on my hands um and it realistically it was probably a procrastination because I was trying to write myself and it just wasn't going very Mm -hmm. well and I find that the scariest thing about writing is showing it to other people so when do you know like you said you kind of need to get over yourself at a certain point and just show it to other people and the chips where they will so how do you get over that anxiety of showing it to other people and then feeding back on something which is quite personal to you God knows it's 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 really hard I still find it really hard and actually this this exercise like doing the actual gratitude competition was a real like me forcing myself to do it and just be like ah go whatever whatever happens happens but I still feel like yeah I still feel massive anxiety every time and it is is something that maybe everyone feels I don't know I think maybe people no I think think that's the most honest answer I've ever had on this podcast firstly and secondly I think I think everyone does feel it to a certain extent and I'm not sure if the more you write and the more work you produce and show to other people I'm not sure if that ever really goes away Mm -hmm. I hope so I really hope so (laughs) no I think I think you're, you're always going to be protective over your own work and I don't think that's just limited to a you know a, a writing perspective I think even in you know if you produce anything in any context even at work you can be a bit susceptible to being upset if you get critiqued on it in a in a not in a kind way in an in a mean way um yeah so, no, it's I, don't, thing, though. I, I don't feel like it's um like I'm scared of being critiqued because I think because that's a part of my job as well is copywriting so I do like marketing materials for people and I write um like creative documents for directors and all that so I write all the time and constantly have my work kind of um you know can you change this can you move this that's just part of the job and I'm totally fine with that um I think it's more the the feeling of like being completely exposed I think that's what it is I've, I've 
thought a lot about this because I was like I need to go over it so how do I figure out why it's happening um but I just feel like it's the things I talk about are quite personal to me um and so it feels like you're kind of just like oh bearing your soul to the world I think I think that's the issue for me I don't know no I I, I think it's the bearing the soul to the world no I, I yeah I, I I don't think it ever goes away but come back in five years and tell me and we'll, we'll yeah. find out we'll find out <laughs> so what about you did you did you find so you said you started this podcast as a um kind of procrastination for your writing do you feel like you've become more um I guess open to sharing your stuff or um it's it's a difficult one because I I in my so long-time listeners will know my day job is legal so I write and read all of the time in my day job but it's very technical legal documents um Mm -hmm. so what, what I write isn't me it's more this is this is the law this is you know the answer to the question that you're asking me from a legal perspective so I think it's it is you're right it is a different thing if people critique my work in my day job I wouldn't necessarily I'd be like yep okay fine you're you know you're the client you're the more senior lawyer if you want it changed then I'm sure you know um and I have done some writing I don't really show it to my friends my friends abstractly know that I do it but I don't show it to them but I think that's because I've never written anything and been like this is done if you know what I mean I it's mm-hmm. in my head all of the things so I have like 10 documents saved on my laptop that are just various different things that in any given day I'll open it and maybe write 100 words or 500 words or maybe you know what, whatever I'm I'm thinking of doing and I think that I need to kind of structure my thoughts a bit a bit better but it's just yeah it's a fear it's a fear of doing it and like I said this pro- this podcast really came out of I want to know how other people did it Mm-hmm. because um like many people I have a have a you know a full-time job that isn't writing or you know writing adjacent you could argue so I just wanted to know how other people do it and that's a very very long-winded answer to the question of no I don't show my work to anyone and yes I'm still terrified <laughs> thank you that's a good good answer I think um yeah like you said so many people experience this like I think it's just part of it you just gotta yeah I think also people don't want to show I think everyone thinks that they can write a story Mm. but then actually when you sit down and do it it's actually quite difficult yeah you've got and it's like that's I guess that's the point of editing like that's something I've been speaking um to about speaking about to Dorothy so I have all these ideas and it's like okay it's almost like there's too many so how do I put them all down kind of thing you get a bit overwhelmed but then um she her advice to me was to just just write 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 doesn't matter if it's crap just get it out and then you come back and you structure it and edit it and then that that kind of step away is is the most important bit so just just like stick it up almost that sounds gross but yeah no no I've I do you know I think what's really interesting about this is everyone has their own process so I've heard about what you're describing I can't remember I think it's called free writing where when you get up in the morning you sit down and you write whatever is in your head whatever comes out and then you put it in a drawer and look at it maybe the next day maybe the next week but then I also think there's people like um uh I can't remember who it was I think it was Hemingway basically said never write I think it's like write drunk and edit sober or maybe the other way around (laughs) yeah that's actually a really good idea minus the alcoholism but like that's a good idea I think I'd be a lot freer doing that (laughs) but I think it everyone has their own way of doing it you've got to find what works for you um mm-hmm. I don't know how, I don't know so I've had quite a few guests on and nine times out of ten they say I sit down and write before my day job mm-hmm. that's when you you know your brain isn't tired but actually I had 
um, a debut author, Christina Sweeney Burdon, who wrote The End of Men, who I, I don't know if you've heard of, it came out this year, mm-hmm. or the end of last, I think it's the end of last year. And she um, is a lawyer and she actually writes, she said her most productive time is between kind of 10 and 1 a.m. Because she's obviously mm-hmm. naturally a night out. So it's, it, it's trial and error. It's finding what works for you. Um, yeah, I, I find I'm, st- I'm still trying to find my like perfect time. And I've relatively recently gone freelance. So my time's not as structured as it would have been in the past. Um, so I think in the past, I always used to write after work. But I found it really difficult, I guess, because like you said, the brain's kind of tired. Um, so now I'm playing with getting up early, like really early when I can. So I try and get, get up at like five and just... Because I feel like that's the only time when everything is completely silent and I can just be in that zone. But actually, it's quite hard to get up at five sometimes, especially as it's getting darker. So that's slipping at points. So I'm just trying to like fit it in where I can, but I need to get a little more structured. That is a, a real um, task of mine in the next few months because I, I really just want to get it done now. So mm. yeah, I need to figure it out somehow. Yeah, I mean, someone, I can't remember who it was, what guest told me this, but they were like, if you, I think it was AS Hatch, he said, if you, sit down and write 500 words a day, even if it's 500 terrible words and you do that every single day, mm-hmm. then by the end of the week, you'll have about 2,500 words. So at the end of a month, you'll have 10,000 words. And then six months later, you've got yourself a novel before, obviously, you know, they're, they're, you know editing, drafting, other things, but at least then you have something to work with. Mm-hmm. Getting it down yeah. on the page, I think is the tricky thing. And I think part of my problem is I'm waiting for it to be perfect. I'm waiting to yeah. think of the best idea to think of the best way to say it and that's just never going to happen yeah I think that, it down. I so so understand that it's like again that's what Dorothy's um kind of advice was about because I think I'm a real like no this this sentence needs to be like this I need it to feel perfect and blah blah but it's like sometimes you're just slowing yourself down and just get it out and then you can fix it I think yeah I so understand what you're saying well on on a on a um unassumingly I found a, a soul sister it turns out but and I could talk to you about writing for ages but let's move on to why we're really here which is to talk about the books so please tell us about the first book you've chosen and why you've chosen it yes yeah, so the first one this isn't like the most literary book ever but this, this it was actually it's a series of books but I've I chosen one kind of so um Jacqueline Wilson was like my oh she's so good she's she, she honestly I, if you ask me like who changed your life I would say Jacqueline Wilson she she opened me up to kind of just the joy of reading as a child like I love her so much um and she covered these like big themes for little kids in a really digestible lovely way so like uh, things like divorce and adoption and um uh mental health and lots of things so the book I've chosen is Illustrated Mum um but I mean that was just it was one that stuck, stuck out to me just in this moment but I actually love everything like read from yeah. her like she's so so lovely um yeah and I'm like I'm gonna make make my kids read it well, not make them but I'll encourage my kids to read it when I'm older um because I just think it's such a, a, a good way of uh introducing things that kids you know kids do experience their parents being divorced they do experience their, their parents having mental health issues they do experience bullying all these big issues that happen and people are really scared to talk to kids about that and it's like well they experience it so how about we talk about uh, talk about those issues but in a way that is is age appropriate which I think she does so well so yeah she, she I love her okay. yeah I also love her and again I, I think we're about the same age and I also read loads of her work, books when she, when I was you know 
nine ten up till I was an early teenager and my favorite thing about Jacqueline Wilson books is the name she picks for her characters because they always have yeah. the best names ever <laughs> that's my favorite thing um I think um, I illustrated mom it, oh sorry go on no, I was gonna say, I think I did read the Illustrated Mum. I can actually picture the cover in my mind. Um, and I think my favourite Jack and Wilson was Midnight, but I don't think the name what? is just Midnight. I think it's something else. Midnight something. I don't know if I read that one, Midnight. I'm going to look into it. I think from the Jack and Wilson books is I can see the cover really clearly in my head because they had mm. they all had like quite distinctive covers. Um, and then there was another one I loved where, called Lola Rose. That was a great name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. All, and in Illustrated Mum, the kids are called... Um, dolphin and i think star starlight i think star just like because it the, the point is it's like the mum is like this kind of slightly hippie vibe lady so mm. it's 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 so it's, yeah it's really cute. Yeah. no i i'm i also love jacqueline wilson yeah and i yeah again i'm not going to force my kids heavily heavily suggest encourage mm. buy, lots, <laughs> just buy, buy those books and solely those books until suddenly they're like oh yeah <laughs> gotta pick it up um so tell us about the second book you've chosen and why you've chosen it uh, second book I chose was Small Island by Andrea Levy or Levi. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, um, but it is one of the most kind of. Um, it's a book I come back to quite a lot when I'm writing. Um, again, because it talks about um, immigration. So um, I don't know if you know the story, but it's, it's essentially about um, after World War after the world, after World War Two. Um, there was a um, kind of mass immigration, you know, like the Windrush and all that stuff so people came from the Caribbean over to England um, and they were called to because they wanted help with NHS and with um, running the National Health, not National Health Service, the uh, national um, like traveling stuff like train service and buses mm-hmm. and all that stuff so very much um, in the service industries but they weren't um, they weren't given a very good welcome even though they were, they were encouraged to come over um, but this story is just such a kind of really um, delicate and delicate yet deep dive into into those themes and talks about kind of uh friendship and racism and war and uh just just it covers a lot really well and it it, um you have these like four characters four main characters and it kind of skips across their different like um timelines I guess um and kind of all comes together in a nice ending yeah I just think it's really really cool reading and I always come back to it when I'm writing because Interesting. No, that's not a book that I've heard of. So when did you first read it? Oh, God, I'm not sure now. Quite a while ago, it would have been, because since since it's come out, they made a TV show and a theatre show, so that would have needed a lot of time to, like, mm. be made. Uh, I'm not sure, though. Maybe, like, 2000s. What year did it come out, actually? I mean, I have a look. Island. So it came out in 2004, so maybe around then. I'm not, I, I'm just guessing. I'm not sure, except for when I first read it. But I read it, like I read it last year. I'm going to read it probably this month again. So, yeah. So definitely one that you keep coming back to. How interesting. No, I feel like it's something I really should read. That's not um, a period of time that I know a lot about. I mean, it's been in the news a lot lately for immigration reasons, and I studied it a little bit. But if, like, as readers know, my day job from like a legal employment law perspective, mm-hmm. um, but it's not something that I know know a lot about. So maybe that is a book that I need to pick up. How interesting. So tell us I about. Do you recommend it? Yeah. Tell us about the third book you've chosen and why you've chosen it. Uh, so my third book is Drown by. So I 
for my entire life I've called him Juno Diaz but I, I realize his name is Juno Diaz I think at least because um, he is from uh, the Dominican Republic and they speak Spanish so I'm, I think it's Juno Diaz I hope I'm not getting it wrong um, but it's a selection of short stories um, mostly mostly told from the point of one person so it doesn't feel very disjointed like they all feel quite kind of entangled together yeah. um, and I just it's it's just kind of it, even though they're really short and really um it's really easy to read it feels like you're fully immersed into it when you're reading it like they they speak a lot of Spanish and it doesn't say by the way this Spanish word means this you're just like in it you kind of get it from context clues and um yeah it's just it again speaks about immigration but this time from um, the Dominican Republic um into America and uh yeah it's just it's just it feels really raw and honest and it's kind of dark but it doesn't feel depressing um so yeah I yeah I love that book and I, I come back to it again a lot because it's so easy to read because it's so fast and it's like such short little snippets interesting and do you read it a lot of short stories and actually do you write short stories because I find that again people think writing a short story would be really easy but actually the good ones are so well constructed yeah I I, I wish I could write I mean I think I, I could write it but I feel like like you say it's a very specific skill yeah um and I feel like the stories that are in my head feel a lot more expansive but sometimes a short story is a really good way of of getting into the longer story I find because it used it's kind of like a little I don't know segment in time which you can encapsulate as a short story and then you're like oh but wait what if that went into this bigger thing so yeah I I don't write a lot I don't read well I was gonna say I don't read a lot but actually two of the selections I've got here are short stories maybe I do read a lot of short stories without consciously meaning to because like the other book I'll tell you about in a minute, I didn't pick that up knowing it was a selection of short stories. I just picked it up because I like the cover, which sounds kind of crazy. But I was like, oh, what should I pick up today? And I just picked it up. Um, and then... No, I think that's very human to admit that's that's why you picked it. I think a lot of <laughs> people then care to admit do that. I mean, there's a lot of money that goes into it. Like they have marketing departments for that reason, exactly. So yeah, I'm not ashamed to say it was a pretty cover. And I thought, oh, that looks nice. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> on that very highbrow intellectual bombshell tell us about the next book you've chosen and why you've chosen it uh so that is the book it's so again my pronunciation i hope isn't terrible so it's aiti which is uh, the taino word for haiti mm-hmm. um, and it's written by roxanne gay and i love her so much i think she's so incredibly smart and so honest and she exposes her trauma in a way that it's I hope she doesn't kind of cannibalize herself for it, but it's so helpful to to me and so I'm sure a lot of her readers. Um, and yeah, I just, I think she's, she's incredible. Um, but this book, this was a book that I picked up not knowing anything about it. I thought it was just a really pretty cover, but I recognize after I picked up, I started reading her a lot more and I was like, well, thank God that it was a nice cover because I discovered so much more about her. But the actual book itself is a selection of short stories. Again, that kind of feel, it's not necessarily um that they're so when I was talking about drown a lot of the same characters are repeated in IET they're not necessarily repeated but it still feels like you're kind of um experiencing this one story of Haiti or just from different people's perspectives so you've got people okay so the link is that they're all based in Haiti mostly so either people who are who love Haiti who hate Haiti who have left um who they're uh, things about tourists who come to Haiti like it's all different perspectives of Haiti 
Um, and some of the stories are like a page long or two pages long, like super short. Some are a bit longer and have like full kind of plot points. Like this happens and this happens and then this twist happens. Um, so it's, there's almost like this kind of rhythm you travel through. So, I, so the way I see it, it's almost like you're walking through Haiti, you're getting like a whistle stop tour of everyone's, not everyone's, but a lot of people's uh, perspectives on the place. And you almost get a sense of uh, the smells, the feelings, the emotions, the reasons why things happen. Um, just really, really beautifully kind of handled in these. And the way she writes is so kind of um, simple, but so elegant. Because I, I find sometimes writing simply is the hardest thing. Um, yeah, so I love that. And oh my gosh, speaking of all of this stuff, so obviously, or I don't know if you know about what's happening with Haiti at the moment, but there's a lot. Um, it's a lot. <laughs> throughout history, Haiti has been through a lot. Yeah, my understanding uh, of Haiti is they continually get the short end of the stick. Yeah, it's really, really rubbish. Like, more than rubbish. That's an understatement. Um, but at this moment, it's particularly poignant because um, obviously they just had the another hurricane, but, and then they but there's been okay. I'm not like an expert on this stuff, but there's been a coup, I believe. Um, so there's a lot of instability in the country anyway. So a lot of people are coming to America um, as a you know to escape being killed or being hurt or be like to escape a life that's an difficult. unstable environment. Yeah, yeah, um, and they're being faced with. I cannot believe I'm even saying this. Like I saw pictures of um, police on horses with whips and it's just like, in, this is in America. Yeah, in I, no, I, I saw that picture as well. It's horrible. It's crazy. And it's like, this is today. And people say this stuff doesn't exist. It's crazy. Anyway, the point of me saying all of that was to say, there's a, a scene in um, Haiti um, where they're crossing, I think the same river. Um, and it just, I don't know. It's just like all this kind of remembering uh, the book and then seeing it in real life again it's not exactly the same but seeing this kind of like this there is are parallels yeah yeah she she's writing from her experience and, and I'm sure from experiences of her family and loved ones and everything and it's just like it just feels so poignant reading it and watching it um, unfold um, so yeah it's but actually again to, to kind of wrap that all up even though that sounds so dark and so horrible it's actually really hopeful the book it it, it doesn't feel dark like I, I cried definitely in points but I also feel like warm when I read it and I knew I felt I really need to reread it again to be honest um but yeah I just think it's beautiful these lovely little vignettes of of life in Haiti that sounds a really lovely book interesting okay so tell us about the final book you've chosen and why you've chosen it uh final one is a kite runner by uh Khaled Hosseini um, I feel like everyone and their mother has read this book. Like, you know what? Um, I I haven't. I've. Uh, oh, me too. This this isn't a spoiler to say there's a film because there is a film. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I I think we watched it at school. I definitely saw it in like a really random random scenario, but I've never actually read the book. And again, mm. I it try not to give spoilers. There's a plot point which is. Um, traumatic shall we say that I'm like yeah. I'm not sure if I want to read it for that reason mm -hmm. it I totally understand that like there actually so there's in this obviously there's that plot point which is really traumatic and I just want to say if anyone wants to read AED trigger warning there are some traumatic things in there as well to do with um non-consensual sex so just be aware um but back to the kite runner yeah it's it's really hard, it's a hard read, but that section 
he does it really well. Like it doesn't feel overly, it's not gratuitous at all, mm. you know, and it, it, it's handled really well, but I totally understand your reservations on reading it. Like it's not a nice thing in any way, shape or form. So yeah, but it, 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 it is also reality, I think for a lot of people. Um, so for me, I think it was okay to, to, I know there's a lot of controversy when it first came out, especially, but it, to me, it makes perfect sense as to why it's in there. And I don't think it could be as good as it is without it in there. That's really interesting. So the author himself, he is Khaled Hosseini, I think is his name, and he's from Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And obviously yeah. with all the events that have happened with Afghanistan in this year, I've seen a, him a lot on the news and commentating on the situation and mm-hmm. I feel so bad for the people that live there and yeah, yeah. I, but this book is predates this by a while I think it's been around at least mm-hmm. 10 years maybe even 15 maybe even longer because like I said I read I read I watched the film at school when I was at school mm-hmm. you know, at least 10 years ago so it would have had to have come out and a film be made so I think it, it's a fairly old book but yeah it's just the, the film is sad and the book I imagine is also sad um yeah it is it's really it's like you say like seeing all the stuff in the news at the moment I think having read the book relatively recently like reread it relatively recently it made I'm sure anyone watching the news felt sad like it's a horrible thing to see but having read it and seeing his experience there's one particular scene um when they're at a football match and some horrible thing happens I couldn't get that out of my head seeing those people in real life doing that and it was like you get almost like a deeper layer of of empathy and kind of understanding of what of the situation um that I'm not sure you get just from the news um because sometimes the news because we're so it's horrible because we're so used to seeing trauma constantly on the news sometimes it can you're like oh that's really sad should we have tea or something do you know what I mean like you can, yeah. you can drop that quite quickly um but because of that book I just kept having flashbacks almost to it mm. um which sounds horrible but it's good it's it's important I think and and really well done so yeah and I I noticed you said that you you reread it and you've said that about quite a lot of the books that you have mentioned is it common that you reread a book do you reread all of the books you've read or just the ones you like or um not so I think it's because I'm trying to write now and I'm, I'm like consciously trying to like finish a novel but I'm like what are the best books that I love and, and I'm kind of going through them which is quite it's quite nice that I'm doing this top five now because it's like I'm going through this particularly this top five and seeing what works what doesn't work why do I love it so much and how can I kind of like replicate those those feelings um so that's why these particular books I reread to be honest I don't reread a lot of other books like I I, I kind of read and move on and then maybe like 10 years later I might reread um yeah I generally just read but do you know what I'm not a huge 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 reader I used to be and then I stopped I don't know why Instagram maybe I was exactly the same I was a massive reader as a child and then I studied law and all I read was legal textbooks and the last thing I wanted to do at the end of a long day of reading legal textbooks was read books yeah. so I stopped and then a few years back my new year's resolution was uh, I'm going to read more for pleasure and it, it wasn't, I wasn't anything ambitious. It, I think it started out being like, I will try and read a book a month. Cause I was like, that's mm-hmm. very reasonable. You know, that's a couple of, you know, like hundred pages a week for, for most mm-hmm. books, very doable. And it just kind of escalated from there. And this is kind of the apex of, well, I hope not the apex, <laughs> the trajectory maybe of, of where that started. Cause I think people do, children read a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, but then 
I was a child and I'm sure you were the same in um, the late 90s and in the early noughties and video games, computers were much less of a thing. And I can still remember, um, you know, at primary school, my my class had a there was one IT room and it was like computer time. We had it once a week and it was like the highlight of the week. Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't know how it, how it is now, but people that were my age, we read a lot as children and then you kind of stop. Um, you get right. busy and I, I, things happen and then you some people pick it back up again and some people don't yeah are you, are you, what you said about um computers I remember we had one computer in our classroom which we'd share and have it like you said for one hour a week or something it's yeah. so not that's wild now everyone has a computer at their fingertips so yeah of course kids are probably a bit distracted because everything is just right in your hand well it's not even that you have a computer at your fingertips so just as a prime example I um you know, I woke up today and I looked at my phone, which is essentially a tiny computer in your hand. Mm-hmm. And then I um, watched my TV, which is a smart TV, which, again, is essentially complex enough. Yeah. Probably, probably has more power than a computer that we had at school. Mm-hmm. And then I worked a bit on my work laptop, which is provided by, by my employer. And now I'm doing this on my personal laptop, which, you know, mm-hmm. is mine. And it's, yeah, there's just so much technology. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. But Do yeah, that's, the, that's gonna... the segue we've got on. No, but it's really interesting. Do you think kids are going to, I don't know, like I wonder what the writers of the future will be like, like the kids coming up now, because we we are in that kind of in-between stage where we had a life before computers and then obviously now where it's everywhere. But the kids growing up now, they only have this life of, of screen and instant everything. So I wonder what their writing will be like, if it will change, but maybe they'll write more short stories because they've got shorter attention spans or maybe not, maybe it will be the same or I don't know. I don't know, but I actually think... and. Um, someone pointed this out to me and it's really ruined a lot of things for me if you now look back on older books think about how many plot points wouldn't exist if they had mm-hmm. technology or phones because mm-hmm. there's like a lot of so many plot points like a massive misunderstanding nowadays you just pick up the phone or text them or whatsapp them or send them a dm mm-hmm. on instagram or all of these <laughs> other things that would just completely obliterate so many plot points in books mm-hmm. and novels so i don't know i think it's really interesting I guess maybe they'll have more because um, I, I was I was reading Queenie uh, this week and there's lo- a lot of that is based on like WhatsApp or, or some sort of messaging service mm-hmm. and you see that like, the, the bubbles pop up um, so I guess that will become the plot where it's like what happens within within the inbox kind of thing yeah like, like, I think it is because there are some books I read now and you know they say oh I I I picked up the phone to call so-and-so and I read this and I'm like, well, no, in real life, you send a text or a WhatsApp. Yeah. And I, I do like books that include that kind of thing. Cause they're much more reflective of, you know, my life and my experiences and things like mm. that. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, that's, that's what I think. I think it will, I think, I don't know. I think they've just become maybe new tropes. So instead of yeah. the trope of like a, you know, um, a missed connection because you exchange numbers and then you lost your phone. They just look you up on Instagram. Yeah. So I think I think the tropes will become new, different tropes. It's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be really interesting to see how that goes. I guess in twenty years, because the way technology is growing so fast, things will probably change so much even just in twenty years. So we can look back and be like, God willing, we can look back and be like, yeah, <laughs> you guys had it real different from us. And then the next one will come along, the next generation. Yeah, and I also think that. Um, maybe they won't even be books maybe that maybe yeah. will have oh, 
That well, makes me so sad. Well, I recently found this out and I'm really outraged. So my friend was moving house. Shout out to Matthew if you're listening to this. He was moving house and had all of these books. And he was like, what do I do with them? And I was like, well, if you, you know, either give them to charity shops, but if um, if they, they can't take them, then you should recycle them. But apparently you can't because of the glue that they use in books. It's like a very weird specific reason. Because he, he phoned his counsellor. I made him do this properly. And they were like, no, because of the glue they use, we can't recycle them. Um, you have to have like a specialist. Um, right, okay. Like, you know, these bins you see in supermarket car parks that have like yeah, glass yeah, bottles, yeah. you can get those, but for books. Right, okay. So I think... Oh, you know, that's sad though. Like, I would, even to get rid of it, I'm like, no, <laughs> don't get rid of it. Give it to a child, even though they might not read it. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I, yeah, it, it's, it's so fascinating. I just think the traits will change, but we've we've got on a massive segue. But like you said, it is really interesting. So, of the five books you've chosen, which one is your number one favorite? Oh, I'm glad I didn't even think about this. Um, oh, uh, can I say I'm not sure at this point because they all have so much kind of they all have elements that I love and I yeah. find it really hard. I depend, I'm quite like a mood dependent person. So it's like, what's your favorite food? I don't know. It depends on my mood. Like that's how I feel. Yeah, no, <laughs> but... I, I see that. And actually it, well, I mean, I'll, I'll accept that answer because it's my podcast and I make the rules. And uh, <laughs> my friends message me sometimes. They're like, just listen to this episode and you did this. And I'm like, yeah, it's my podcast, my rules. Quit your whining. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I will allow. I know I'm not sure answer, but you've made it to the final stage of the podcast. So there are five quick fire questions and then you are free. So question number one, fiction or nonfiction? Ooh, uh, fiction, I think. Like I, I do, I do mix up with nonfiction also, but I think I like, um, I guess, being taken to the other worlds and seeing different cultures and all that. So yeah, fiction. And when you say you do read some nonfiction, are you one of those writers that reads, um, I don't know, I suppose you call them a how to write guide. So there's one by Stephen King, um, which is really famous. It's called On mm. Writing. And then there's another one, which I read recently called How Fiction Works by James, whose last name escapes me. Do you read those or do you just kind of, you don't want to overthink it? I have done. So when I was doing my creative um, writing uh What's it called? Degree. I forgot the word degree. <laughs> when I did my creative writing degree, I um I definitely had to read a lot of that kind of stuff and kind of really formalize how to write creatively. So it's almost like you learn the rules so that you can break the rules. So then, yes, and I do have a lot of those books. Um, and actually, when my mum's so cute, when I won that prize, the um, Grants Here Women's Prize one, my mum bought me loads of books being like, oh my God, your dreams here. And she gave me loads of like how to write books and like cute little things. So I do Aww. actually have a few of them. I haven't read that one yet. But um, I find sometimes I don't want to read about how to read. Like what I might do sometimes if I'm, if I'm struggling is watch a video on YouTube about how to do something. Cause I find I like almost like conversation not that I'm talking to the YouTube but it feels just a bit more flowy and a bit more like I can ask a direct question and get an answer pretty easily there's some really good um I can't the names escape me right now but there's some really good a girl called Abby something anyway um really good people on, on YouTube who, who kind of say um how to craft a plot point or whatever like various yeah. things and I find that really useful more than books because I feel like if I'm writing I don't want to it just feels slower and like yeah foggy, you know? no, I see that I see that yeah. so question number two how often um do you do you read do you finish a book kind of once a month once a week well my new as of two weeks ago in fact this week <laughs> my new thing is trying to do uh one a week 
Um, so I just finished Queenie. I think I'm about to re-pick up um, AET. Um, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to try and do one a week and just mm, kind of smash it. I'm really focusing a lot more on reading and writing from, from now on because I feel like I had a full-time job and then I was starting freelance life, which it like requires a lot of like, hey, I'm now doing this, da, da, da. so you have to do it like a lot of... Um, like reaching out and all that yeah. which takes a lot of time and now I've established my kind of clients and all that kind of stuff I'm like okay now I've, I can do that at a set time and then now really focus on the book so reading is a huge part of that from now on that's so interesting and well good luck with the freelance I hope it, I hope it goes very very well and like I said I think people will people will, people will know your name don't you worry um and question number three <laughs> what's your favorite place to read um so for the, for the listener's benefit, um, Naomi's in what looks like her living room. There's a very comfy sofa behind her <laughs> in a lovely room with a big bright window. So I'm guessing there. No, do you know what? No, as I, I don't mind it. But my, um, I think my favourite place is bed. Like I'm real, I love my bed. I love my bed so much. And I just like, just like cozying down, getting a duvet and just having a cup of tea and just reading. It's like my, yeah, that's my place. Your happy place. Nice. Yeah. So question number four, what's your favorite independent bookshop? Um, yeah. So actually down the road, there's one um, called New Beacon Bookshop. Oh. Um, it is a bookshop which started, I think in like 60, I want to say 66. I'm not, that might be wrong, but in the 60s anyway. Um, and it was started by this man called John LaRose, um, who was from Trinidad, I believe. And he basically wanted to kind of uh, have a bookshop because there's nothing where you could find, especially at the time. Now we have the internet, obviously. But at the time, there was nowhere where you could find uh, books from black authors at all. Mm. Um, so it's a real kind of historical, important base um, for for black writing, black British, black Caribbean, black African, whatever. But my main focus is black British. Um, and it's just it's just like a cute little nice bookshop and they had they almost closed a few years ago just because people are buying things off amazon and everything yeah. and the community kind of came together and raised some money and they're still going even after the pandemic i just like if you can go there or if you can buy something off their website you should because they're doing really good interesting work and opening up like a different um you know it's not just a canon you know that there's there's so much more out there and i'm only recently discovering how much more there is out there and that, that book is a new beacon of that. <laughs> what a great tie-in. And uh, for those of you who are interested, I've just looked it up on the website is www.newbeaconbooks.com if you wish to, to frequent them and purchase something from their collection. So the final question of the whole podcast, what is the book you are most looking forward to reading next? Ooh, Well, the next one I'm going to read, but I've already read it, is AET. Um, oh, do you know what? I'm actually really, I've got it here. So I haven't read it yet. This is Dorothy Coombson's latest, I Know What You've Done. So she, obviously, she's my mentor at the moment. I've read a lot of her um, past things, but I, hadn't, I haven't read this yet. And I'm totally... Say, I'm, I'm signed up to her, her newsletter to get alerts about her podcast episodes. And she's quite prolific. I think she's on maybe nearly yeah. 20 books. It's insane. Like, I'm like, how do you do, how? Like, how? <laughs> it's incredible. That, and I just I'm like, show me your ways, master. She's she's so cool. And I can't she's wait to Yoda. read it. Yeah. But how do you smash it out so, so well? It's great. All right. Great. Well, I hope you enjoy that book. And thank you so much for coming on. As I said, if listeners haven't heard of you, I'm sure they soon will. 
Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.